Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you as always is Bob, but live in the lounge staring at the Ouija board. Super stoked for tonight's guest to come on and talk about things I like film, music. Um, I saw his video during the pandemic for a song called Cabin Fever. And I'm a sucker for Stanley Kubrick, and I'm definitely a sucker for The Shining. And um, the music video was really well done. The sound was really what blew me away because the most music videos, the sound's just not there. You know what I mean? I could tell that there was a little added textured layer of, you know, stereo mastery going on there. And then I found out he did other things and I found out he was in some cool thing called the Pizza Connection, which I thought was just brilliant. And uh, we did some pandemic shows and uh, he's still doing his thing here in Philadelphia. He's doing um, I watched some cooking stuff today. I watched a really cool music video he did for an artist called Ryan Tennis. And uh, we're going to talk about that and other things here tonight on the show. With that being said, please welcome Mr. Will Drinker. How are you, sir? I'm well. Hey, Bob. How are you? I'm well. Um, so let's just talk, you know, right off the bat, like casually here. Like if you got one film stuck in the BCR forever and you got to watch it over and over again, and that's your hell, like that's your <laughs> your purgatory, which films are going to be? It's The Shining right now. It's the, the film of the moment, the film for me of COVID. I mean, I loved it before, but I really dug in as we entered the last winter of COVID, as we enter our next one, I might have to do it all over again. Um, I saw Room 237, the documentary uh, about it, which I saw that years ago and it changed my, the way I think about all movies and all art, honestly, particularly how, how you know, you can, so, and as many viewers as there are, there are interpretations. Like the, you know, a good piece of songwriting or, poetry or film or anything, any work, everybody has their own takeaway. They color it in with themselves, you know, their own crayons. Um, and The Shining is like the best example of that, that, that Kubrick is a master at just putting all the things on the table. It's all in focus. It's all wide all the time, baby. It's all symmetrical. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to you to, to decide what to look at. Because honestly, before him, there were films like from Hitchcock tradition where it's like, I want you to look at this. I'm going to go to a close-up. I'm going to have the camera go in on the knife or the gun or, you know, anything. Um, and Kubrick's like, I won't do that. I'm going to give you the full, you're going to just have to decide what to see and what matters to you. Um, and then, yeah, The Shining is just, I, I don't even know where to begin. I could talk about it the whole time if you want. Yeah, it, it's really, um, I'm, I'm always fascinated with just Stanley in general. And like, I remember being, extremely sad when he died. And then like, I remember when they announced like, oh, there's a lost script and Spielberg's going to direct it. I was like, this is like, you know, but there was no um, film quite as masterful as The Shining. And for me, there was another film at the same time, like as a kid, I remember like um, my parents, like really, I guess they didn't let me watch like rated R films. And I think I might've been like 13 the first time I saw A Clockwork Orange. And like, I, <laughs> it was like, you know, it was amazing, really, because it was like I couldn't believe that there was such a thing in cinema like that. And as you said, like, you know, he leaves it all up in the picture in the wide frame. The, the, what came to my mind when you said that is the the scene where um, Alex is walking down that uh, corridor and he's really pissed off at his uh, droogies and he hits uh, Dim with the cane. You know, I love that scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh man, the shining, the shining, you know, I, there's so many different things too. I do you remember when they uh, remade the shining for television. I've seen the miniseries. I've read the book. Um, and I'm a Kubrick shining guy. I mean, mm -hmm. I love King in general. Like I'll read Stephen King delicious stuff. Right. But, and the book is amazing. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff. that's not in the movie. Kubrick went his own way. Um, he really not, did. Yeah. To answer your question, not a big fan of the miniseries which really digs in on the things in the book that didn't need to be put like the hose and the wasp nest. And like, there's, these are interesting things. It's great in the book, the, the, the topiaries, the, the bushes that come to life. Just not that is not as scary yeah. as, as the things that um, Kubrick added. And he and um, King got in a huge fight. They had one call. They only spoke once and it went real South and they kind of don't like each other to the death, to the death of Kubrick. And even in the movie, The Shining, there's a 
the VW is a different color. And so it's, it's uh, red in the book, it's yellow in the movie, but they, the, the, at some point, Scatman Crothers is trying to get there to save everybody. And he passes a tractor trailer that has got an accident with a yellow B, or a red VW, excuse me, the old car from the book. Oh, wow. And Kubrick saying, well, if I can do this, it's Kubrick saying, fuck you. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. There's your, there's your car and there's your story. Like, I'm, I'm doing my version. I I read recently um, that Kubrick, uh, he he only wanted to make films that were based on novels he loved. Yeah. And he read The Shining after reading endless novels. He sat in his office just reading and reading. And what you would hear, his secretary said what you would hear was the slamming of a a book on the wall because he he read a few pages and he'd be like, I don't like this. So she'd hear boom. And then, you know, not long after, boom. And then one day she said it was just quiet and she went in and he was reading The Shining and she knew like, oh, well, this is this is it. Whatever it is, he's he found it and he's loving it because he's quiet. <laughs> so, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And him finding Jack Nicholson and Jack, um, you know, I remember like on discovering the the bonus material that came out on YouTube where like you would see him getting psyched up for a scene, you know, and his whole approach towards Jack Torrance still to this day, it's, I still think of that tennis ball and I still think of the typewriter and just yeah. like, um, I, I also think too, like he was like, <laughs> this sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's the truth. It's like Jack Nicholson was so cool that like his male pattern baldness just didn't matter. He was like the only male lead that he was that dynamic that he could just lose his hair. Yeah, I mean, like up until Batman and then, beyond, you know what I mean? Like he's that charismatic that it doesn't matter what he looks like, which is nuts as an actor. And I heard from numerous podcasts that he's just a joy to work with because he's very, you know, good with coverage and like, you know, um, being in the scene, suggesting ideas. Yeah, that's really well said. And the behind the scenes, I think you might be talking about is the. Uh, what's it called? It's it's Kubrick's daughter who he had on set and let her film all she wanted. Yeah. You get to really sit and watch these sort of fly on the wall things where they are like what you're talking mm-hmm. about, the collaboration and also the tension because Kubrick makes people do famously in that film, he has two Guinness world records for the most takes. So he broke his own record in the same movie. And it's like, I think it's in the hundreds or maybe it's 70 takes or something, but it's Scatman having his shining. He's in the hotel and he's sitting watching TV. And oh, wow. not long shot but he goes like uh they play the high-pitched music and they zoom in and they did that That, 70 70 times wow something crazy i forget the numbers but uh worth looking into there was you know he would also use he'd make you do it a hundred times and then he'd he'd use the first take and then he'd tell them that and he was trying to drive them all crazy though he was very conscious of like this is about people in a cabin fever situation and some of them he was he was like i need to get the performance out of you and for him that means it's got to be real so particularly shelly duvall like went through the most hell if you will like and you see it in the movie i mean you see even the most when she's sitting by the door and the axe is coming and she's screaming like it's just real like there's nothing like it um but there's also i will say nothing like the interpretations it's really fun to dig in on the theories about it being about the fake moon landing and how kubrick is trying to confess that he actually staged and filmed the moon landing i don't really believe that one but there's there's a lot of different ideas than that the native american uh, one uh the native native american american one. i'm way more into that i'm into that yeah, i like that any history one is fits and in, in a way that i really think is strong like because it's all about how history repeats itself and history haunts you if you don't learn from it. And Danny learns from history and he retraces his steps literally at the end. He's in the snow and he backs up through his own footsteps and that's how he saves himself and his mom. And uh, yeah, I think it's a beautiful, like the subtext is as good as the sort of harsh horror family in a hotel story with ghosts. Um, Yeah. I can't remember my first time seeing it. I was just trying to like, as you were expressing your love for it, I was like, I just remember it was definitely VHS. So, I mean, obviously in the 90s, but like the setting, I think I might have rented it by myself from USA Video and like watched it. Like on a square TV, right? 
yeah on a square tv and never you know what i mean never like getting the no form, idea like dynamic yeah whoever thought though like when we're you know like i'm 41 and like watching everything in a square perspective for you know forever and then all of a sudden one day you know the rectangular box comes out and i remember like a backlash at first people were like they didn't like it yeah yeah, yeah. like I, I could never get used to this but i mean it really plays into like you know cinema and like watching some of the classics but Totally. that shining movie though you can watch it i mean i try to watch it each you know this season like halloween now it's like a perfect halloween movie because it's yeah. it's more than scary it's like uh and you're like you're creative and you're a writer you kind of get it you know what i mean like you can get nuts with it you know what i mean you can get you can pick, yeah you can pick a sub you can just watch it for the alcoholic story and and get terrified oh yeah that's a good one and he just tells his son like you know I want to stay in this hotel forever and everything. Yeah. The girl, the twin just said it and now he's saying it. And he Danny's like, You're not gonna hurt us, right, Dad? I'm like, this is the horror movie, this scene. It's not, it's not running around with the axe. It's the the idea that dad is no longer dad. Yeah. Um, and that that's not about ghosts. That's about something that a lot of people experience and uh, and also the history, back, back to history, the history of mm -hmm. abuse is in there. A lot, including the, if I may, the, the weird bear and guy in the tux who were seemingly having a sexual entourage of some kind. Yeah. Um, what is going on there? I'm not going to, I'll let other people go look into what YouTube videos say about what that means, but there's so many wells to tap. But hey, can I just follow up? You were talking about the cabin fever and the sound. And mm -hmm. I got to say, that's Ethan Kane, who's playing in Emily's band, singing and also doing sound. And it was so legit that when we finished Cabin Fever, I mean, we just did it in one big take. The band did their part, start to finish, like a concert. And I filmed with four cameras, like running around like a nut. And then we played back the audio right away and it sounded so good. And it was such a- So good. He's, he's incredible at all that he does, but we were like, wait, you didn't really mix that yet, right? And he's like, no, we're just listening. We're just hearing the raw, and it was like, well, that it's basically what we, I mean, I'm sure he did some cool stuff to it, but it was so good, like out of the gate. And we all looked around, we were like, oh, we just, you know, if it doesn't sound good, you got, it doesn't matter how good it looks when it's music. Um, yeah, especially with the, that live feel that you were going for, which, you know, is just so hard to do. It's so, you know, I, I've, I've been a part of it a few times and it's I always went, went up being chaotic and being more than it should be, but it was really well done. And then several of the other things that you've done you know um are really it's it's, it's an impressive body of work i mean the the ryan tennis video i mean I, I was trying to count locations and then my son like came in and like uh i lost count but like there's a lot going on in that video and it's a fun song and uh if i may as an observation the thing that i thought was cool is like when he comes into the the main like party part the extras felt real yeah, you know? it didn't. Uh, it didn't. Right. If and it was like crowded enough, because like I, I mean, even like uh, the movie The Dirt on Netflix. I mean, like they could have got more people to be at that one <laughs> club. You know what I mean? Like it looks like a, yeah, like a valley tavern. It was terrible. Like you know, often you really got, were tight. It was tight often, with the budget on that one. Yeah, you know how probably a lot of times you're doing it with like three or four people, and you put them in the corners of the screen, and you just see their silhouettes and just go mm -hmm. go crazy and it'll look like maybe it's mystery science theater really because it's not going to look like a crowd and this was like ryan has a you know his own venue in his yard and he hosts regular community music events and actually he's about to do a comedy night and he, he was like well, why don't we just do it during one of these concerts and so it was an interesting challenge because it was like can we do this in 20 minutes <laughs> we needed to get the whole last minute of the video and for people that haven't seen it, he's stuck in a house during what is pretty clearly COVID. He's just sort of bored trying to make, make do cope with the stress of being isolated and quarantined. And he gets kind of, kind of loses it. It's a little cabin fever, actually. And then he finally breaks free and everyone is waiting what you're talking about. And so we needed him to go through a crowd, get on stage and do like, you know, the last chorus or whatever of the song. And you're right. It was crazy to get them pumped up because they, were just, they, they came to a show and then all of a sudden I stand on stage and go, Hey, we're going to make a music video real quick. <laughs> yeah. Right. Real quick. And what then, did you light it? How did you light it with like bolt lights? We, like we were, yeah, we had a crew that was setting up lights before they even started the concert, but it was during the day. And okay, then at night we, we kind of had to make adjustments, but the whole 
audience was sort of realizing, oh, there's like, a, what are they going to do here? It looks like a movie, you know? Yeah, it looks real. It looks real. And it felt real, too. I was like, oh, look at that, because you don't see that even like I said, like big budget things like are just it's they're lacking in like the fill, you know what I mean? In the background. Absolutely. And I wasn't sure we would be able to pull off what we needed in the short time. I think we did eight takes, which purposely we started with the audience and got most of the stuff that focused mm -hmm. on them. Because with each take, they're like not, you know, they're doing pretty well and I'm trying to get them going, but they're not, they didn't sign, no, they, you know, really weren't sure that this is what they were doing with their Friday night. <laughs> and so by yeah. take four or five, it's time to turn and face Ryan and, and it's less about the crowd. Now it's about him and the band. And then the crowd was like, okay, I'm going to have a drink. Like, I don't, I don't have to be in this right. <laughs> but they were, they were really great. We had a lot of fun and uh, it was kind of a miracle to go home and see that we had what we needed and james powers was the cinematographer of that part i shot mm -hmm. everything up till then and so I was, I, gonna, I was gonna ask you how many time lapses did you do you, you're really good at doing the <laughs> it was time lapse. my first time lapses um i think we did like three or four really involved ones there was They're one tough to do to make it look right like you did yeah like, especially the one with the plates the plates yeah, that's the that was my white whale <laughs> Um, because Ryan has a, lyric, has a lyric about how the dishes are stacking up and all the things of COVID are stacking, you know, just sort of everything's overwhelming. So to, to illustrate that, we just wanted to have actual dishes stacked. But I went, yeah, it was a little silly. I mean, I shot him with nothing on the counter and was like, he was like, what are you going to put on the counter? And I was like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. And then once I started trying to figure it out, I was like, oh, this is like pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, particularly yeah. each item is like a separate thing I'm shooting like the mail the dishes and uh putting them making them all like really look like they're all on the same counter with the same lighting mm -hmm. and all that was like a really fun challenge like special effects or and magic is that's what it's all about baby but you know I didn't know how to do it so it was a good you know chance to learn and, and we did a few others Brian sitting still his uh clothing changes his sweatpants yeah. too hot. Mm -hmm. That took like over an hour, you know, and that was like him sitting there and just keep having him change. And actually we did a lot of improv during that, that ended up even the opening him standing up with his pants, not on. That was just an improv in the middle of the time-lapse. It was like, what if you were on a zoom and you, you know, when the zoom's over, you stood up and there, there, there it's the alligator. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then when I saw it, I was like, this is the beginning. Don't you think? And we, we looked at so it. Like, would I, you say that like, um, that's what you, you, um, like to do the most is uh music videos i love to tell stories so i uh, i'm a storyteller and i will find a story in anything i professionally i do a lot of documentary work but COVID helped shake me up in a way that i really am trying to get back to creative stuff so i you know said yes to ryan when he asked me about doing a video because i mean he's great and his music is fantastic but i was like mm -hmm. i need to jump into this lane and kind of let my uh, silly flag fly and my, you know, let all the creative stuff just let it rip, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do all kinds of work, but uh, I'm definitely interested in doing more music stuff. Of course, most musicians don't have the budget to do the full, the full fledged creative piece. So Brian was just amazing that he was excited and willing to go with an idea that I pitched him and then made a version starring me and showed it to him. And he was like, all right, I mean, if you did it, I can do it. Like, I'll do it, you know. And as you saw, the video demands a lot of him. He's the whole video, you know. Yeah. And lots of weird costumes. He's Fabio for a period. He's an animal. Yeah, he's costume. got nice hair. <laughs> yeah, he's got great hair. And we had, yeah, we had the, the fan and the fog going. But yeah, it's a real tour de force for him. It's a real performance piece. And speaking of getting the crowd to do eight takes, like he did eight zillion takes, you know, just we just kept going and I had to keep being like, you know, let's go. And he would just turn it on. It was a pleasure to watch. Cause it's like, you know, not every performer, even if you're a great performer, can you be that consistent in front of a camera? Like that's a different type of performance. Than yeah. He's like, he's like the South Philly, uh, Andrew WK. I like that. Do you know what I mean? Like he's got that vibe to uh, his whole, like, um, his, sure. I've only heard that. I just saw the music video now and, uh, I sent him a, a friend, a friend request. Ah. They still call it friend request, or they say, or a like or a follow. Tough. It depends on your sure. uh, social media, but you know. 
I don't know. You know, I was kind of hoping that uh, this week uh, the Instagram and Facebook would just go away and like people would have to deal with it. The fallout. Yeah, it just go back to being normal for a little bit. Yeah, obviously, they, it'd probably come back, but it'd be great if it went away for more than a day. Yeah. I got text messages from neighbors. What happens if I can't reload my Instagram feed? It's like, oh, my God, people are that hooked that they... They're not getting that dopamine rush from those likes. They don't see new likes. They don't what they're not a real person. They're not alive. I like I like the others thing. You know, I don't care. Like I like when like uh, nobody knows how many people. Plus, they, like you know, like they're, like it's a Congress. Like I think that people are testifying. Like no wonder kids are so messed up. Like, yeah, it's affecting teenage girls. Duh. Like, what did you think it was going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, was it going to be a positive thing that everybody was, like, super stoked on? And, like, you know, that's the story that I'm interested in the most is, like, what will this look like when we're old men? Yeah, when we have a little grip on what it's done to us, like, and we'll only know then, if not later. But, uh, yeah, it's a really good question. And it's confusing for me as a someone in the performing arts and the visual arts. Like, the, you know, it's all about getting an audience to like what I do, right? But I'm mm-hmm. before the sort of social media version of it, I was used to being in like a theater, like where they showed the movie I made at a festival or wherever. And then you get that feedback in with a big group of people all sharing together in a laugh or scared of the horror movie, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now it's like, I don't know, there's the feedback is not even when it's good, like Ryan's video has a lot of views now. I think we're like 150,000 or something like that. But it just doesn't mean it's sort of like, who are they? Are they, I don't, I, you know, it's not like yeah. I can feel and hear them in the room. Um, so we're grateful for, for that to be happening. But whether it's a few likes on, you know, Instagram or Facebook, or it's 100,000 plus, it's like, so what? Like, it just doesn't have the same, you know, it doesn't translate in the same way. So that that's also weird because everyone's chasing this drug. And I'm like, guys, it's not even as good as the, the like, feedback from an audience or find find another venue that like you can get that real feedback in real time from people uh it's just, the little red dot on your notifications is not the same thing by a long shot yeah, so, yeah. um like the whole theater experience too like now with uh films not being or like they're going back in the theaters and they're making money i think venom made a bunch of money but like hbo released their entire slate like the sopranos movie went straight to um hbo max and stuff like that like everything it seems so weird like for a filmmaker to you know watch the upcoming doom film on their iphone you know it just doesn't make sense and it's like i totally get that and like i'm i've gone back um a couple times since you know i guess i got vaccinated i love the movie theater man there's nothing quite like it i go by myself all the time i don't go with anybody you know what i mean like i don't want to talk about it (laughs) i just want to watch the film you know and and, like figure out the the plot I agree. It's also control, like the, you know, like people do look at their phone in the movie theater, but it's sort of not, you know, it's not allowed if you will, you know, people don't like it, but if they watch on HBO go or Netflix or on their Mm -hmm. phones, it's like for all the effort you make to, to control the whole, you know, like when you make a movie, it's like you're, you get to be the God of this world, like, and get it, you know, if you want to be like nuts about it, you really can, you can control every little detail. And then once you, give it to the world or whatever, let it free. <laughs> I say it's like a hostage that got out because it's never done. That's when people are like looking at freaking who knows what while they're watching your movie. Like they could be listening to music. They could be chatting with people. It's Pausing, like, oh, coming back to it later, watching yeah, it you know, um, out of order. Control. Right. Everything's out of your control. And then you just sit at home like stewing. Like there's no way anyone... Even with that recent music video, I'm like, did anyone even watch the whole thing? Like, I don't know. I did. I did. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> You're the one. Yeah. But it is just I'm here. like. I'm here. <laughs> That's what this whole podcast was for. is intervention to let you know that there's people <laughs> out there that appreciate your work. Um, yeah, it's very interesting because I do share the same um, feelings about like, I've never like, um, like I like, I like doing podcasts because it's like free therapy each week you know i mean meet like new people and have long form conversations am i interested in putting like money into it like i've never asked people who listen to my show for money and it's like everyone tells me i should but it's just like i you know like for what it's like 
the podcast came about after film. Like I get film, I get like music, like music I tried so hard to sell. And then when it didn't work, I just wanted to give everything away for free and like <laughs> almost like yeah. a uh like a fuck you, you know what I mean? Like, oh you, you didn't want it, you know, you didn't want it. Now you can get it all for free. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like selling yourself as an artist is really hard because it sounds to me that you're, you know, you're an artist, you're not a filmmaker, you know, you do other things. You're a ph photographer, musician. So when you when you're an artist, I, I find it so hard to um talk monetary value, you know. In film editing, I think that's a little different. You have a rate, you know what I mean? But it's best to have an agent, I think, you know, or somebody to talk oh, yeah. for you. Also, I found that, you know, the, the people I want to work with are the most talented ones don't always have the money. So it's about like, do I want to make the art? Because if it's about making money, then I don't, I don't get to work with so-and-so who is, is fantastic. And I'd rather put my name on their project. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, uh, they don't mix well. They never have art and money or commerce and art or whatever um yeah and it's a, it's a, it's it's slippery soap because it's like you can you can have success or you you may not but i mean it doesn't you know like i tend to like i have this like thing i mentioned on the show sometimes where it's like you know this type of this place this place feelings of being an artist and uh receiving income didn't exist like you know century ago when you were creative like you were looked at as somebody who you know like the jester for instance right like comes to the king and queen performs is rewarded handsomely afterwards you know probably sleeps in the castle does his thing with everybody there probably you know and like it's almost like you have to like um make money with what you love because what that's what society wants and i've always hated that dude it's like i don't do podcasting because i want to like you know retire you know what i mean like it's ridiculous yeah, I mean, I don't do pizza collection or I don't have um, different Facebook accounts for puppets of mine because I think it's going to make me money. It's like, I just. Oh, are they your puppets? I know those puppets. Yeah, no, I didn't I know made, they were your puppets. Okay. Yeah, the ad is like something I made actually with my dad and grandmother when I was in high school. So you and Emily did it um, during the pandemic. You did that. Um, my son watched it, and that was you doing it. That was me. Yeah, it was just me and a box full of different ones just to try and, you know, bring them all See, out. That's the that's stuff that can make you. That's like we're talking monetary. Like, you know, Blippy, who this guy is? Huh? Have you ever heard of Blippy? Yes, yes. You I know been... who he, he really is? Who is he really? Oh, God, I'm going to have to say it now on the show. Sorry for everybody. Okay, well, maybe send me a private message with that. But no, nah, uh... no, nah, this has to be known. This has to be known because Blippy is a childhood star. But if you as a parent have Blippi toys in your house, I need you to go to your phone right now and I need you to type in the search bar. Blippi Steezy, S-T-E-A-Z-Y, McGrossman. And I won't describe what happens, but you'll have to investigate and you'll see why that that child star should be removed from the, the internet, I believe. But right. on a positive no. note, puppets, my son loves puppets. Everyone's love puppets. Does it? We're we're excited. We're recording this on Thursday night. Tomorrow, the new um, Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion movie comes out on Disney Plus, and like my uh, son and I are stoked because our favorite ride is the Haunted Mansion. And I'm curious, like, when did you uh, fall in love with puppetry? Uh, well, there was a store in. I think it was always like in my toy wheelhouse right like my toy chest as a kid had puppets so it was sort of just like this is this is something normal to me and there were plenty of muppets in sesame street going on throughout my youth and they continue <laughs> but um the real thing that happened to me was a store in intermission uh, i'm sorry a store in chestnut hill called intermission um that was sort of like all the artsy things that you could ever find like for theater play you know like just actually kind of all the arts, music. But in the back, there was like this really awesome puppet section. They had marionettes, they had hand puppets, and then they had some of these ventriloquist dummies. And my grandmother was like, you know, I was really interested in those. And she was like, you want, you don't want like Bozo the Clown. That's not a ventriloquist dummy. That's a clown from a kid's show. You want Charlie McCarthy. And so she like insisted, that's what I get. And then my dad sent this doll with a string 
off to a really legit company that turned it into like a, a head that moved and had moving eyes. And, you know, it was this incredible gift that I was given um, on Christmas. And then I got really into ventriloquism and really into Edgar Bergen, who is the guy that, mm-hmm. that voices Charlie as well as Mortimer Snurd. And that's the one. He's my OG, like patron saint. Like Edgar is, um, he was on the radio. He was number one for maybe 20 or 30 years. I forget how long, but he was talking to himself. He probably didn't even have the puppets with him. Um, just truly funny, smart writing characters. Mm-hmm. People, people thought Charlie was real. Marilyn Monroe was in a, a relationship with him for years that was only, that was covered by the tabloids and they acted like, He's just another famous actor and is a piece of wood. Um, so yeah, that that is a really big foundational thing for me because ventriloquism, first of all, is unique. A lot of, not, not a lot of people do it. And um, it just led me into filmmaking because I just would film my act. Then I started filming a little more than the act, like little movies. And then it was like, oh, my siblings can, and my cousin, they can be my new puppets. Like I need, I only have so many voices and I only have so many hand puppets. So, all of a sudden it's like, oh, actors, that's what, that's what that is. Like you can just, they can do more things. They have more moving parts. They have, they mm-hmm. can share their nostrils. So uh, yeah, it was, it's foundational, but it's also still in me. And during COVID, I pulled a lot of them out of boxes that they had been in for years um, and started having a lot of fun. Like I just sort of regressed into my childhood during COVID. And no, that's my- good. I, you know, I do that with my son all the time and uh yeah, I, I puppetry is, uh, you know, people think uh, like you got to go out and buy a puppet. No, you start with the sock. You know what I mean? And like it, it helps. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun to play with. Yeah. Use your hand That's right. um, and something about it. I don't know. I mean, like you tend to like people, some people tend to stop playing and it's like my son's five. So I play with him as much as I can in that type of realm of uh, imagination. Are you familiar with the show um, called Fraggle Rock? love fragile so that was my jam back in the day and like i was just blown away by it and uh it's just the whole vibe of you know getting down fraggle rock with the music and stuff like that but yeah it was very well done i wasn't i, I mean i now i'm connecting the dots um you also did some really cool um visual music videos for um koopa loop who's been on the show before that's right so is that you um, in After Effects in the background doing all that stuff or? I'm using Premiere because I'm an idiot and I haven't learned After Effects. I feel like. Oh, so so you're using incredible. green screen and just uh, ultra keying out and then. Ultra sorry keying. Sorry listening. Lots of, lots of layers, lots of, um, you know, some of it, the stuff I shoot, but I'm definitely finding a lot of the things and some of it's obvious that it's. That's really well done. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, it's really fun because it's such a blank canvas. I mean, Coop's music is fantastic. He's a virtuoso. He came in and did 11 songs, like boom, 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 like just one after the other. And yeah. um, and then he was like, what are you going to put behind me? Like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know. And then, you know, I really like Black Squirrel. That was the first one that really jumped out at me. Yeah. And I just kept thinking about the loop concept of him, his name Koopa Loop and using the looper. And I was like, maybe MC Escher would be the right um, approach because of the, you know, visually that's sort of, it feels like, also I really wanted retro, like everything in his, his, his music really has this like throwback feel. Like it's like from some eighties or even earlier, almost the first video game or something, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of video games mixed with like early Medesky Martin and Wood. Like oh he's got yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. So that, uh, that, yeah, that was, that was the goal. Like, how do you turn that sound? And what does that look like? What could that look mm-hmm. like? Um, and yeah, he was super game for what I, whatever I kind of threw at him. And uh, it was a really fun thing. And also the deep in COVID, like the much needed, you know, something to work on kind of a thing. And so it was, it was yeah, really that's the best cool. when you have something to do, uh, you know, during uh, COVID, what are you working on right now? Um, I'm trying to do a short film if, before it gets too cold because it mostly will be shot outside. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of these things I've, I tried to do it last fall and things got so kind of scary. We didn't even want to do the shoot outside because we, we didn't know as much. Um, it's called The Finger Lake Freak. It's about a serial killer who he's chasing a girl. Well, he wants to be a serial killer, I should say. He's never succeeded <laughs> at starting. 
And that's really what it's about. Cause it, it, at midnight, he's chasing a girl and the clock tower rings and he gives up and he's like, fuck. He's like, I can't, I'm not, I, <laughs> yesterday was Friday the 13th and now it's Saturday the 14th. And that's <laughs> not, my, not my thing. And then he and this girl start to have this weird heart to heart because she realizes he's not going to hurt her. And then, but she's like, wants to know what, why were you doing this? Why Friday the 13th? Like, isn't that kind of lame? Like, hasn't that been done? And he's like really upset. And she like helps him come up with a better character and help him plan his first okay. kill. Yeah. So she helps him. She helps him. She ends up bringing a, a body that she's tied up in her trunk to his house. Like she goes all in. And, um, oh, that's good. So it's like a reverse on the whole. It gets, yeah, it gets yeah. weird. It gets dark, um, but uh, it's, it's also weirdly romantic. And I don't know, it's a strange commentary on all of our obsession with true crime in this country, particularly. Yeah, what's country. up with that? People don't. I can't um, stop, but it's weird. <laughs> you like it? You like true crime? I definitely did. Yeah, I mean, I was. I, I, my OG is uh, Truman Capote in Cold Blood, and I still I'll rep that any day. But I, yeah, there's a lot of docs out there now. It's hard to. It's quite a few. I mean, like we don't have a problem with murder at all, but we have problems with other things. It's like, it's weird. I mean, there's so many different ones I've seen. I mean, the Zodiac Killer just got caught. Apparently, he just died, dude. I was just gonna say but he's dead. But he's dead. Know, you know? He's dead. What do we do? What do we do with that? It's so weird. We go right? back. I tell you. What, I tell you exactly what we do. We go back and we watch Fincher's movie again. That's what we did. Yeah, I'm gonna do that anyway, bro. It's fucking spooky season. I'm gonna I, watch that shit. I watched that during the pandemic more than once. Like I, I don't know, I, like it came on Netflix, and I, it was one of those movies where I just started studying it because like, there's so many layers to it, you know. And like yeah, Fincher's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's really good. I Fincher, I heard, you know, he's the same, you know, as Kubrick too. It's just like break you so you can get the best performance possible. Yeah, yeah. I also heard him on a podcast recently talking shit on Ben Affleck, not wanting to wear a Yankees cap and Gone Girl. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so his character is from New York. You know, they meet, you know, in the lofts there, go to the candy place. And like, there's a scene where he's in an airport and he's trying to hide who he is. And uh, Ben Affleck's team said, there's no way he'll wear a New York Yankees hat because he's such a big Boston That's funny. fan. I love listening to shows where like uh, they tell me stuff like about like movies that I love that like I never knew. There's so many like classic films like from my youth growing up. Which ones um, stand out to you as like the ones that besides The Shining, of course, you know, well, stand you're out to you as like early days. Fincher would be a great example because Fight Club was a huge deal in my youth. Um. Hitchcock, like big deal, like Psycho, Vertigo is probably my favorite movie, but you know, Psycho was the one when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of Spielberg was, was really important, like E.T., Jurassic Park. I mean, I burned the shit out of those VHSs, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and also things with special features, you know, like you're saying, like things that really gave you a lot, like uh, Jurassic Park came with another VHS of just crazy like raw behind the scenes stuff and you really got to see spielberg as a little kid like coming up with all the shots and um same with lord of the rings lord of the rings is like four discs of special features it's just it's mountainous like it's impossible it's as hard to get there to get through there to get to more it's um, crazy i mean it's crazy how much um dvds were wasted probably like where's like all the dvds of the world right now at are they in some like you know sinkhole it feels like the streaming services need to catch up to DVDs because I want my commentaries. I want my, like, where's the, all that shit, dude. And instead it's, band, it's bandwidth. They don't have enough. They just probably have, I, don't have enough. I'll pay for the premium. I want to, I want to hear the director. Well, I think Criterion the, does that. Don't they? There's a new. There's like some examples of it, but it's not streamlined. And I mean, what I end up doing, and this is a big COVID habit for me is I like find silence of the lambs commentary on YouTube. And I hit play as I hit play. <laughs> And now I'm just <laughs> listening to Jodie Foster and Jonathan Demi like tell me how brilliant I already know they are. Yeah, and, that uh, movie is another one too where you can just oh, watch it over and over again. And like, oh, you know, the way that he also uses the framing too, like, you know, is very unique and it tells the story. It doesn't look any, yeah, like it's such a close, tight frame oh, and the, the characters build suspense like no others. And then other times 
I, he just he really did it well. I mean, guess how so long many crazy movies. What's that? Guess how long Hannibal Lecter's in that movie? I heard it was like 14 minutes. It's like, yeah, it's like 14, 15, 16, something like that. And it's but like that's this, how good he was. He won, too, right? He won for 14. How was it like two days? Three, two? Scenes. three scenes and a phone call. And it's all three scenes are the two of them just staring at each other in close ups. <laughs> yeah. They don't even one do anything day. other than act, dude. It's just two people acting. It's so intense every time. Um, yeah, that's wild. I love to, I love that. There's like all sorts of people that like rank. How long is the villain even in the movie? You know, so Jaws, it's like two minutes, three minutes, like as far as when you see Jaws. And I think Darth Vader is like eight minutes or something, you know. It's a yeah. fascinating thing to look at because this is, it's all about the bad guy or girl, right? It's all about, ten, you know, but they're, I they, they, you keep them hidden. On the opposite really side, uh, for for heroes, Batman Returns. Batman's only in the film for like. That's true. That's I think a it's like 20, 27 minutes or so. Like not much. It's all about Cobblepot, right? I did like that film though because it's so dark. And like I remember, like that would never happen today with like you know McDonald's toys and all that shit. Like he bites somebody's nose off. Oh man, and she puts her um, hand or whatever into that uh garbage disposal like that as a kid i was terrified of that yeah, dude, so i mean funny. that movie was 1992 i was 12 i saw it um the mall had a movie theater i think i saw it there yeah there's two wow. theaters in like where the food court was now i guess and that was uh the same theater that also had street fighter 2 in it that was the same yeah. theater i saw jurassic park in and jurassic park in the theater i mean I know it's now like this massive, massive thing and this, you know, computer animated cartoons and stuff like that. But that first one, though, still, it's when you still watch the scene, dude. is terrifying because you believe that it's real. And he that's only Spielberg yeah. that can do that. There's I also still- read on as another note, sorry to jump back yeah. to Jaws real quick, but I recently heard on a podcast from two different actors that um, Spielberg gets real emotional when he talks about sharks because he believes that he, you know, obviously uh, poisoned the American zeitgeist of, uh, you know, hating fin creatures in the ocean. Yeah. A little bit. But the real story about Jaws is that, that what it took to make, like the idea that it just totally fell apart. Like they just, the, the robot shark, every version of the shark they made was useless. Like it just, there was just no, get to work. nothing to film. So this movie about the, we're, you know, hinting at this terror of the unseen, which I think is very true, even movies today, that they blow it. When you show the monster, you, you're kind of ruining the movie. Like you need to create this imagined, like what is, what are the aliens in signs? Like we haven't seen them. We saw like a foot, we heard, you know, vominos and one yeah. kind of hand blurry. And then when you finally see it, it's like, you're like, you know, it was really odd. It was the best movie up until, that at so, least put it in the reflection of the television and never show it to me in a close-up. Swing the, away, bro. The shark, yeah, swing <laughs> away. Tom, I'll need a ride home. I'm jumping to Scary Movie 3 now, but it's still basically size. Um, so <laughs> Jaws is the, OG, the original lesson that wasn't intended to be a lesson. It was just because he couldn't mm-hmm. film the shark because it wouldn't work. So the, the, editor, shot. Mm-hmm. the editing is where you make it scary and you just imply it and you show the perspective wow. of it and all that. That's scary. I'm a massive Jaws fan, and I've seen that um, the shark's still not working, Doc. And like, it goes yeah. into the detail about how they really. I think in the first couple pages of the script, you see the shark, but it just wasn't right. working, and that's where the POV thing comes from. That's what built the suspense. And you know, I I totally agree, man. It's like when you see what the you know the bad guy is like on page five, or or even on sixteen, as the inciting incident, like the whole movie, like what. what there's a movie I was just thinking of where you just don't see anything. It was really well done. My assistant's out. <laughs> um, do you know what I'm saying? Though? Like when you see something, that's like a, yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's a, I would think of something like Blair Witch. You never see the witch. And some people say that this, they yeah. don't like it because they, they think they're supposed to. And I'm like, there's no other movie like this where you get to just, it's all in your head. Like, I, lo- I love that movie, and uh, I, I saw it the Ritz. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's so good. I knew someone that saw it and thought it was real because no one had come out yet and said otherwise. It was in a festival. It just had the short credits. And she was like, she's still affected by it in this, like, I know it's fake now, 
but I didn't know that. And I thought I was seeing this thing. And it is, it's so, it's so good. Everyone in it, just those three people, like what a, what a talk about great acting. It's not much else. Yeah. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but like there isn't uh, a, a year oh, that goes by that I don't think about. Um, smoking. The, I found a pack of smokes at the bottom of my, oh, my pack. backpack. Yeah. My pack. We're going to be okay. Cause we're smoking. Or I can't remember the, yeah, the rocket back and forth. And uh, the film is so alive. good because yes, you don't see, yeah, we're still alive. Cause we're still uh, such, well, I'm going to have to watch it tonight if it's on Netflix, but I was I, the, the, the remake that came out or the reboot, uh, they showed stuff at the end. I wasn't affected. I didn't like it. You know, like I was just like, it's not doing to me what that original one did. And then also too, I remember, um, I remember just, I was, I'm a huge movie guy. I love reading all the websites. And like, I remember like, I don't know what year it was, but on ain't it cool. There's like, there's this film that's coming out through the circuit right now. People are saying that it's scarier than the Blair Witch and it's going to revolutionize the entire, you know, um, horror box office. And that film was Paranormal Activity. And now, you know, there's what, six of them. And there's another one now coming on Paramount, you know, and like, it's also been beaten down. But the original time I saw it, I was like, this is, this is cool. This is scary, you know, and yeah, like, I loved it. it's so hard, though, to replicate something twice yeah. like i was just my son just asked me today in the driveway he's like daddy why is jaws the first one the best jaws and why is none of the other jaws is good and i'm like it's just never it's never as good and then like i was like ah but terminator 2 ah but you know like, there's, yeah, like, there's, there's some great exceptions right empire terminator yeah. 2 but those are still the same filmmaker like it's still this story right. told by a storyteller whereas usually a sequels and franchises are money people who are not creative who were like Jaws was made us a lot of money. We need to do more Jaws. I don't care what it is. It's just we need to say Jaws on a poster so that people will spend the money, which they did. But you're right; they're usually not not so good. And also, you you that thing we were saying that the fear of the unseen. You still do see Jaws at the end of Jaws, or you see Bruce, which is what his name is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when that's kind of taking the wind out of the sails, like so if you did signs too, it's like, well, we know what they look like. Do I really want to see them clicking at dinner? Like, I don't know. Living that was how I felt when I went to see uh, my first movie back after the pandemic was a quiet, a quiet place part two. And like, as soon as it started, I was like, ah, I'm not scared no more. That, I know. Like, and the first one is so good, right? Yeah. I, but I wasn't scared. The second one was very predictable and like, it was just like, ah, God, man, you know, but like you really can't strike lightning twice when it comes to certain like genre films, I think, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because there's exceptions, as you said, like I couldn't stand Batman Begins. I like the Dark Knight, even though there's plot holes galore in it when you look at it from a script standpoint, but like you could see the difference between the two. Like, as you said, the same filmmaker making yeah, the original sure. vid with more freedom too from the studio because you know rich people the franchise you know the money the toys and that's also a shitty thing but i am looking forward to um i mean like i can't believe like everything is coming back well it's, it's bizarre it's like the matrix is back Sopranos <laughs> is back limp biscuits back like everything right now <laughs> like it's is just it returning didn't the Matrix come out the same day as John Wick? Or like, wasn't there a double or a triple Keanu day? Or I think I there was before the pandemic, and that was the talk. Like, he can do anything. He do can avenge dogs. He can come back as Neo. I am looking forward to it. Um, I'm sure. I like the first one. They, they fell apart with their third movie, so they need. They hopefully will redeem somehow. And God, so bad, dude. I tried yeah, to watch it the other night on HBO so Max, and I was like. So I knew I knew I knew it in, in the reloaded one when or uh, is it called reloaded? When uh, revolutions reloaded is two, yeah. So they're dancing and like like all these new characters being introduced. Like they made yeah. a mistake of introducing new characters and not focusing on the original, you know. That's definitely the case. Yeah. I don't care about the Merovingian or I don't care about the kid. The cake. Who the fuck? Yeah, that's really cute, but I don't care. I don't um, give a shit about him. I don't care. I don't care about the dude who has his last stand in that machine with the guns in the ending. Like, I don't care, dude. Like, I no. just three is so. I mean, I went to three with my mom, and then I stayed home from school. I was like, I'm going to this. It's happening uh -oh. day. <laughs> and then she was kind enough to let me tell her the entire plot of the first two, as if 
I thought I needed her to be like, oh, well, I need you to be caught up. And then she just sort of like, we started watching it. She's like, why did you tell me all that? Like, how, why did that? And I was like, I'm sorry, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hard thing to explain to somebody like what that is in, in general. Just, but... Yeah, she should just watch it. <laughs> but one I, is still uh, great. I watched one recently. One's it these. holds up. Yeah, yeah, it holds up and it looks good. And like, um, but also, dude, we're talking about origin stories, which are always better, right? Like, how many versions of Spider Man origin story? Why? Because that's the story you want is becoming, not I, I think that's a problem with a lot of sequels in the, especially the superhero world. Like, if you, if the sequel starts and they're like, I'm already, you know, I'm Batman, it's just like, you need, what are you building to? There's just something great about going, normal. yeah. And we all want to feel like we're the normal person that gets to be in the shoes of the protagonist and like, oh, I could become Batman or I, what if I was X, Y, or, you know, Harry Potter, they think you're picked. They're all, they all start as normal and typically they're always orphans. And Luke Skywalker is normal. He finds out he's special. He has to go into this adventure. So like, yeah, it's tough to pick up an adventure in the middle and be like, okay, Luke's already a Jedi. Okay. That's, that's over. So now what, you know? Yeah. I think uh, they tried, they did do that in the, well, I guess it, uh, there's the second Hulk, the incredible Hulk. It was like the origin story was the introduction credits. So I was like, this is cool. Okay. We're going to get through this quick, you know? And then they went right into the story <laughs> and then Edward Norton quit because apparently there's a whole nother film out there where it's like not as wonky in the second act with like, you know, the battles and stuff like that. But have you like the, the, the superhero thing for me, like I grew up, reading the comics and then all the films come out and like yeah like if I, it, they follow such a predictable structure and oh. it gets boring after a while because it's like there's so many different things you can do with the character one film that came out by a guy who his father made a uh, american uh, werewolf in london as yeah, max yeah. landis and it was a uh, clover or excuse me not cloverfield chronicle and oh, chronicle okay. i loved the first time i saw it. i was like oh this is great like you know I loved how it ended too. And it was like, it seemingly it was like, that's it. It's over. But apparently there's a new one coming, but it has nothing to do with Josh Trank or uh, Landis, but yeah, big surprise, right? Yeah. I like uh, superhero movies that are like off the cuff. They're hard to come by though, because people don't want to put the money up to do it. But Dude, for me, it's super... becoming tired though. It's becoming yeah, tired. Okay. For, even for I'm, me as a comic book so... fan, I'm just like, Oh God, dude. Marvel is it's, I'm exactly where you're at. I read the stuff. I played the four-player X-Men all the goddamn time at the uh, arcade and and loved little pieces of movies as it started to happen. And Iron Man was awesome. Like, yeah, let's do this. And but also Favreau like established a something that now when you watch when I watch it, I don't like it as much because I'm like, oh, it's all this is what they took and they just kept doing again and again. You know, kind of trailer catchphrases really thin plot like you don't have to really pay attention you don't and also i don't and you don't care i mean i kind of care about iron man in the first one especially but i didn't care about him the second one yeah i didn't, care about, that. I didn't care about that second movie at all and yeah, the third movie, like, I, you know i gotta be honest like people like like shane black and you know his writing and stuff like that um there's some good moments in that film and like also it's I, I don't know. I agree. Like the first Iron Man was great. And then it seemed like Iron Man was great in other films that weren't Iron Man films. Yeah. And, and it's like dragging him through the franchise. But like, I do like the, the fact that they set up now the multiverse and it's like, okay, we don't have to like rely on these same set of actors for 30 years. We could retell, you know, Bruce Banner or um, Tony Stark in years to come because there's so many different stories. I did like Loki. I like the way that it was like, it felt like Kubrick at times with the music and, you know, the, the visual style. But um, I, but do, I like the multiverse. I, I like the multiverse in a theory, like put it, plug it into another world, like or another universe. And I think you know, I, I think Star Wars is trying, but you know, like Mandalorian. Yeah, they try. Like, Mando's but, great. The movie's not as much, but like, um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say before we leave our comic book thing. For yeah. me, the best comic book movie is probably Unbreakable, which doesn't even like rate in people's minds. But it's like all, it. all the time, like, and it looks it like. Oh, you don't like amazing. it? I didn't know. I love Unbreakable. Oh, it's fine. Stand the sequel. The sequel. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, that's franchise. Yeah, dude, it's back to the origin story. You need that first one. The first one's so well done. 
to the me that is especially is a mess. I also remember distinctly Will like what like okay, so when the sixth sense won everything, all eyes were on M Night. What's he gonna do next? And they're right. like, he's doing a superhero movie. And I was like, Me, this is great. Like he's gonna do, you know, and like I remember like going to the theater that weekend seeing it. And I used to have a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, and I would like see like who won the box office before the internet even existed. And I was shocked to see that Unbreakable had flopped, you know. And so to, it's a cult hit now, but it didn't yeah. find its audience like when it first came out because people didn't get it. They were like, "What happened to the dead kid?" And you know what I mean, like. But <laughs> the the character work in that film is so well done. Um, yeah, I still true. think about the scene. The, the scene that always stands out to me is when. Um, it's breakfast and like the camera's like uh, not on either of them. He pushes the newspaper over to the kid. Just showing him. Great, him. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he cries. Like, Such yeah. a great moment. Like Shyamalan, yeah. he can do it. I, I don't know what's been going on lately, but man, he's... he's I didn't get a chance to see old. I wanted to see I, old. I didn't see it either. I want, I want to, but I haven't yet. I did like... Um, what was the one he did before that? Um, I'm out of out of uh, season with him. I need to get caught up. I'm not sure. Oh, he did one with uh, the grandparents. Uh, oh, the two the kids, kids going to their grandparents, but it turns out maybe not so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah it was, was a good one. Pretty cute. That was a found footage thing, which was cool to see him like play with the play medium with the genre. And he mm-hmm. did, yeah, he did. He did a little some clever thing. I seem to remember in the under the house or something. That was like a pretty terrifying scene. Here's here's a question for you, because yeah. um, this will really determine like what type of M Night Shyamalan fan you are, and I won't tell you my feelings on it because it's just a film. But how do you feel about the village? I think the village is where he really started to jump over that shark. Like I love the village for most of it, um, but there was one one problem with it for me was that someone else, a friend, had read a short story in school that was the village like and they were like really adamantly like he just oh wow so that was always in my head because they told me that like before i think i even saw it um it was the moment though where people were like he's lost it now (laughs) yeah like science is forgivable because it's mostly it's it's enough like i know i made fun of the end but and i do think that i I like i like signs i like uh the scenes where uh they all gotta touch hands and like the the music of the you know the The music's amazing the noise better you yeah, did the sound effect. Yeah, well, when they're in the monitor, it's more like a, it's like a vibrating. Yeah. Dude, yeah, there's some amazing scenes. Like it's, science is really great. And like the actual the thematic stuff about his wife and the, you know, getting mm-hmm. over that and all, it's all good. It's all pretty good. Yeah, the cross on the wall in the beginning where you see that he really yeah, makes yeah, it yeah, thick yeah. with the character work, doesn't he? I'm like, great well, visual. Been, I love the, such a great, the, say it again, say it again. Sorry, yeah, the, um, they got the visual of just the, the wood with the stars and moons in it, which is like, you see it quite a few times as part of the house, like the kids um, playhouse or whatever outside. And then it, it. In, when they come out of the basement, it's like the light is coming through that because he, you know, the boys took the, took it apart and used it to board up windows and stuff. And so it's just a little detail that I like from the first time I saw it, I just was like, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, the detail I like is uh, also is when he's in the bed and he I think he's just gotten done re- reading the story. And that's when he looks out and he sees the being on the roof for the first time. And like the way that I don't know if it's a push on it, but like it's a good shot. You know? oh, yeah, it's a great just a shot. Yes, it's a cut. And that a loud noise from uh, I forget his name, but he does a lot of their music. Um, yeah, damn, it's fantastic. And I would say Village has it's I'm good with a lot of it. I think it's fun, the old timey thing. But once you start thinking about what's actually happening, I don't like, I don't really like the premise <laughs> and I really don't like the twist, like whatever you want to call it. And also this thing that he thinks he needs to do the twist. It's like, you're not chubby checker. Like you don't have to twist again. And yeah, that um, must've been so as a screenplay writer, that must've been so difficult for him to like, we have out. to write the twist first or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like what do you, you know, like everybody's expecting it. But the one more I was like, we have, we are in the water on the other side of the shark now is lady in the water. Like, I don't even know what was happening. I I think, I don't know if I walked out, but I certainly was thinking about it. And just like, what is this? And then it turns out he told that story to his kids to make up a bedtime story. And 
they fell asleep. And he thought that means I should make a movie of him. Like, well, you don't want a story that people fell asleep to, bro. Maybe it should be yeah. made in a movie. But they gave him the money to do it, which is wild. Um, he had that I'm power and he still does. That's he the did. problem. He can do he whatever does. he wants. No one, no one checks him. No one says maybe this is a bad idea. I had recently heard from somebody that he he lived he just bought a house but he bought this enormous fence this massive high fence to the, protect his house his his night kingdom. But um, what I was gonna say was uh, it's been a pleasure talking about movies, dude. Like sometimes like it's music on here, sometimes it's other things. It's been a while since it did you know something that's like you know about storytelling and and film. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, seeing the pizza connection if you guys ever uh tour you know like it would be the greatest idea ever to just tour pizza parlors yeah we're ever. trying we've been performing quite a bit lately so yeah there will be some things coming when's the up. next show we're doing something in new york at a pizza convention um coming up and we're doing a child's fourth birthday party as well so there's the full nice. <laughs> The pizza circuit. It, so anyone, anyone that wants us, we'll, we'll, we show up and we sing pizza songs. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Oh, dude, this is a blast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Everybody, uh, if you look down below in the podcast uh, description, you can see Will's website. You can check him out, see some of the things he's done here in Philadelphia. With that being said, my name's Bob, and this has been another episode of The Bobcast. <laughs>